When we say we want to keep pets and people together, that means everybody, including the homeless. We're talking about our partnership to bring vet care to the people who need it most today on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Dave Shapiro. And I'm Madison Brown, and welcome to the show. We're coming to you from the epicenter of all things good and wonderful, the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together. It sure is. And Madison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. It's uh, a lot of fun. This is very exciting. I love Kelly dearly. She's a very busy person. She doesn't have time to be sitting in a studio with me doing multiple line readings. Um, so, you know, we're, oh. we're going with Madison. And Madison's a part of the team now and has jumped in uh, with both feet. Uh, it's been wonderful to see. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm so happy to be here. I definitely feel like I'm kind of living out a dream of mine to finally be on a pat- podcast. I'm definitely a podcast fan, so to actually be on one of my own is really awesome. Sweet. Okay. Well, you know, here up top, I want to say something real quick. Uh, for the past five years, we have had uh, a gentleman by the name of Scott Cotter, who has been our director of communications here at PRCKC, and sadly, he is leaving us. Uh, he is going to go off to new adventures, most likely involving a bicycle um, and like m- at least three or four cameras going at the same time to get multiple angles um, that you can use in the edit. So Scott Cotter, uh, we love you dearly. We will miss you. And uh, we wish you all the best in all your future endeavors. Well, with that said, why don't we go do some pet news? Right on. Let's get into it. So you guys have heard about French Bulldogs and how they've been climbing the ranks of the most popular dog breeds. And in 2022, they finally nabbed the top spot, ending the Labrador Retriever's 31-year reign as America's most popular dog breed. I am just flabbergasted. I cannot believe they knocked the lovable Labrador Retriever out of the top spot. Yeah. And so what does that mean for a dog to be popular? Here in the clinic, we see Frenchies all the time, and we love them as we love any breed that comes to our doors. How can you not, from their endearing snorts to their adorable squishy face? But those cuddly qualities come with a specific set of issues, as do most popular breeds. Bulldogs in at number six? Yep. Dachshunds at number nine? You bet. They all have a tendency for specific health problems related to their breeds. That means that we created them that way. Just to list a few of the French Bulldog's many issues is brachycephalic obstructive airway syndrome, also known as BOAS. They have a long list of eye issues such as dry eye, cherry eye, entropion, and corneal ulcers. Ouch! And then they have those skin folds that are so cute but covered in bacteria. They can have skin fold dermatitis and skin infections. Also, hip and elbow dysplasia and ear infections and even deafness. When we talk about responsible breeding, we talk about treatment of the pets in question. But why aren't we talking about the responsibility of creating an animal that requires artificial insemination and a C-section just to procreate? Why aren't we talking about the responsibility of creating and preserving the existence of an animal that can't be put under for surgery without being intubated? 
it gets to the heart of why we talk about dogs versus the way we talk about people. This is true. If human beings were being bred to be a certain way that gave them health defects, that wouldn't be tolerated. So it's weird to see us talk about dogs this way and to say this is the most popular breed in America. It's it's really interesting. But now we saw um, that there is a breeder in the Netherlands who is actually trying to breed out some of those bad characteristics. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's actually an organization called Hawbucks French Bulldogs. They're, like you mentioned, a breeder in the Netherlands. They say they breed for health, not show. And their dogs actually have to pass a series of health tests before they are bred. I really love this quote for them where they say, We notice that boundaries are fading within what is considered normal. It is not normal that a dog cannot do what he likes most because of his body type. It is not cute when a dog cannot breathe without making noise. It is not normal for a dog that he cannot reach its own genitals for cleaning. It is not normal that 80% of French Bulldogs are born by a planned cesarean section. A French Bulldog is first and foremost a dog. A dog is supposed to move freely and not be held back by his body. A dog is at its most beautiful when it's not obstructed by physical limitation. Hawbucks is a result of a lot of time, effort, thinking, doubt, idealism, frustrations, and hope. Pretty solid, pretty strong statement, I would say. Um, Yeah. Now, look, I, I can speak. Let's see. I guess I am a representative of the organization. I, I, I can say that, you know, we first and foremost um, would encourage people to adopt, right? Not shop. Um, and there are, if you're looking for a specific breed, there are plenty of those breeds in shelters. Um, there are rescues for specific breeds, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're going to have, you know, people breeding dogs and selling dogs, even though we have a surplus of dogs in the population, um, it's important that those things get taken into consideration. Um, I don't know that, um, you know, having certain characteristics is, is worth the quality of life issues that, that plague these breeds that are bred this way. So. Absolutely. I mean, when they can't even mate on their own, I mean, That's a huge issue. And, you know, I think they're as cute as the next person, but it definitely hurts your heart when you listen to them. They literally cannot get a good breath in. They're just constantly struggling to breathe. They can't even go on a regular walk. Yeah, that's that's the hardest part is when, you know, we're running pets and we bring them inside like I'm running a Frenchie in and they're just out of breath from that. Um, you know, that's it's hard to see. It's hard to see. And we love them, of course. We see them. We treat them as best we can. Um, but there are some issues that are just inherent and it sucks. Absolutely. And I mean... You know, the Labrador Retriever and all those other breeds, they have their list of health issues as well. But the French Bulldogs are becoming just, you can't ignore these anymore. I mean, it is really hindering their quality of life at this point. Yep. Um, Well, next up, food allergies. Not cool, not fun. I would give the zero stars if I could, etc. Across high-income countries, more than one child in 10 is diagnosed with food allergies, and those numbers continue to rise. Previous studies have spotted a potential link between dog or farm animal exposure during pregnancy slash early childhood and the reduction of food allergies. 
So Hisao Okabe and his colleagues used data from the Japan Environment and Children's Study to look at 66,215 children who had provided data on their food allergies and their exposure to various pets. Children who'd been exposed to indoor dogs and cats had a significantly reduced experience with food allergies. Kids who'd been exposed to indoor dogs were less likely to experience egg, milk, and nut allergies. Kids exposed to cats were less likely to have egg, wheat, and soybean allergies. Outdoor dogs, no real difference. Now, this data was, of course, self-reported, so that has to be taken into consideration when looking at it. But with this kind of sample size, the data helps give researchers a direction to move in with further analysis. Um, pretty interesting stuff. This really blows my mind. I mean, I don't, in my brain, I'm like, how does being around pet dander make you less likely to have a food allergy? That's super interesting to me. And we may find that it's like a a causation rather than correlation Mm -hmm. kind of situation, but, um, it's definitely, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big sample size to draw from. So like the data's there. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, I think maybe just exposing your kids to as much as possible, you know, obviously if you keep them in a bubble, Mm -hmm. they're going to be more susceptible to allergies and other things like that in the environment. But very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, so for our main segment today, we want to take a look at our partnership with Uplift. Uplift works with uh, the homeless community in Kansas City and beyond. Um, We have been partnering with them for a little over a year, and uh, we have a very special doctor um, and very special volunteers who go out with Uplift every single week. So let's go take a look. Here I've got the, the microchips and the tags and just an assortment. I kind of went through the donated items in the on the shelves mm-hmm. in the treatment area to pick up ear infections is the is the thing we see mostly mm-hmm. um, out in the field so that and we can receive. this is Dr. Jerry Carey. He spent over four decades as a private practice veterinarian. So when retirement came, he was excited about the prospect of doing something different. For several years, he enjoyed hiking, backpacking, traveling, you know, the normal stuff. But all the while, he exercised his option to keep his license active by taking 20 hours of continuing education every year. And that eventually led him to a very pivotal moment. It was actually January of last year. So that would have been 2022, January. I was uh, in um, Columbia, was attending the Missouri Veterinary Medical Association annual meeting. I kind of, at that point, it was interesting and said, well, you know, 20 hours of class time and just why am I doing this? Because eight years I hadn't really applied my license or, or employed. And the keynote speaker at that uh, meeting was Dr. Michael Blackwell. Blackwell is a former chief of staff for the Office of the Surgeon General of the United States, among many other great accomplishments, including being the creator of Align Care, a community-based program that helps people who can't afford vet care get what they need for their pets. It's hard to understate the effect this had on Dr. Carey. I, I felt like I, I was. It was time I, I pay back, you know. I, I would and use and and if I'm going to volunteer, it, it seemed a lot more productive. I had a, here I was. Why am I doing this class? Why am I trying to stay up to date? Well, why don't they volunteer as a veterinarian? So I just happened to be driving down Troost one day and saw this pet resource. I'm like, okay, I didn't know 
had never had prior contact with that resource. And I, well, I'm going to pull in there and see what's going on. And he just happened to pull in on a day when we had a staff meeting, so we weren't so busy we couldn't chat. And after telling one of the doctors about his idea of volunteering to help bring vet care to those who couldn't afford it, they told him about our recently begun partnership with Uplift. At that point, the partnership was not shaky, but more not fully developed. There wasn't always a doctor available to go out, so the amount of help we could provide was limited. Todd Lowenstein was a volunteer who was in on the ground floor of this program, and for him, it was a chance to make a difference in a way he'd always wanted. I think I'd always kind of wanted to get involved with um, helping the homeless. I'd seen like, in fact, I'd actually seen Uplift out on the street before and kind of wondered what that was all about. One day, uh, Ramona and Bree uh, approached me with the idea. They had started this new program where they were going to see how it went following Uplift, and they asked me if I was interested. And I said, sure. When Dr. Carey came on board, it's fair to say that he and Todd got along well right from the beginning. Todd is he when they first started driving, Todd started going out with this and and, and he's one of the most remarkable people I've been around. Uh, I mean, it's just he, he's an amazing person. I just love him. Like he's you know, he's kind of like he's about the same age as my my parents. So it's kind of like almost like a father son relationship in, in some ways um, um you know he kind of exudes a calm um demean you know his demeanor is very calm very calming um and that's you know really just i mean we hit it off like immediately while the team was initially rounded out by a rotating group of volunteers for the past few months dennis van horn has embedded himself as the third member of the team dennis is He's compassionate, um, caring, uh, and it and it shows. I mean, in the way, just like Doctor Carey, I mean, it shows in the way he talks to people and deals with people. Non-judgmental. I mean, you know, everything that you'd want to have in somebody that's doing something like this. So far, Dennis has been for a couple of months now uh, a regular with us, and uh, uh, and for the foreseeable future, he seems to be almost in the same mold as Todd, really. Yeah. I mean, he's a little different person, and he is so work-driven. I mean, it's like we get in the van, and he's immediately proportioning things out. He's got a big bag of dog food, and he's making it out in sizes. We can dispense it and everything. And going out with them, it's clear that they've got a routine, and everybody knows their role. They spent an hour prepping with Dr. Carey going through donated supplies to find plenty of flea and tick prevention since that's one of the biggest problems you'll have with pets living outdoors. Todd and Dennis load up food, treats, and other supplies to make sure there's enough for however many people show up at the camps. Once we leave the clinic, the first stop is Uplift, their headquarters up around Independence Avenue and Prospect. Very, very off. I, got, I used to think you were such a nice person and now you, see the other, now you see the other side of me. <laughs> Uplift is in a mostly nondescript space that's actually two spaces combined. A warehouse that contains tons of food, clothing, and other supplies needed in the community. It also houses their vehicles. The other space has a huge kitchen in which they prepare meals to take on the route. Speaking of the routes, there are a number of them, and Uplift goes out every night. They have been doing this work for 30 years. More than that, they're donation-based and volunteer-run. It's amazing. The night that I'm there, there's the unmistakable energy of people ready to get things done. 
Since we only go out one night a week, we rotate the route we're on each time, which means it can be a month between times that we're out on a specific route. One of the questions the uplift drivers get most often, when will Pet Resource be there? So Doc's made a schedule that the drivers can have and can hand out to people who ask. The easier we make it for them to find us, the more pets we can help. Before we all split up to go on our routes, we come together to touch base and give ourselves context for what we're doing. I thank you guys for doing this because not only is it, is it good to do it for your fellow man, it's also good to do it for society. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're in kind of a crossroads right now, it seems to be, in the world we're living in. And you can either take a path in one way or the other. And certainly one like this is, is the path you want to be on. Because the whole world gets better uh, as you do this. And that's what everybody wants. Uh, some people do it for various reasons. Uh, whatever the reason is, it's got to be good. Because I think at the end of the night, um, you'll be rewarded. And I think it'll even include uh, tomorrow when you wake up and you just kind of go through your day. Some of the people you meet, some of the stories that are even in their faces. I mean, the lines of the face sometimes give you a story. Once the meeting is over, everyone goes their separate ways. Our route tonight is the West Route, which starts in North Kansas City before heading out to Kansas City, Kansas. At the first stop, in a nondescript parking lot just across the river, we pull up in front of the uplift van, which already has a line. Upon seeing us, a group of the folks gathered make their way to us. One of them is Cece and her dog, Little Dude. Let me be clear, he is, in fact, a little dude. A tiny white boy with fluffy curly hair and a spiffy red vest that Cece made herself. She carries him in a baby Bjorn a lot of the time, and he just sort of hangs out. Little dude has all his shots, so she's not worried about that. She just wants some food for him, some toys and treats to make sure he's got everything he needs. She also asks about cleaning his ears. Like okay. a, a baby shampoo or something. Okay, okay. And, you know, soapy water mixture. Okay, okay. Is, right. is a little more gentle and will clean that wax out. Can you get one of those Yeah. Uh, do you have a bag of those? Having gotten food for herself from Uplift and food for Little Dude from us, she has a seat on the grass and takes a moment to eat. She offers Little Dude a forkful, telling me, he eats when I eat. Here's the thing about Cece. She isn't homeless. At least, not yet. Three and a half years. And I just couldn't figure out why I can't keep eating food down, why I was getting, losing my muscle mass, why I was getting sick. And right. Constantly. I mean, just constantly. I'd be okay, and then I'd get sick again. I thought, my daughter goes, Mom, there's something wrong. So I went in. It. She's been homeless before doctor? and is on the verge of it again. She's been dealing with health issue after health issue and is in a bad situation. She has until the end of May to get out of the place she's living now, and she wants to, but problems she's had in her past keep her at arm's length from any kind of decent situation. In other words, nobody will rent to her. I only have until the May's living, but I'm really, really, really scared that I'm going to be homeless. I don't want to be down there with all them people because they're... We sit on the grass talking. Well, she does most of the talking. She's very skilled in an ability that I've seen in a lot of homeless or struggling people. Talking really fast, trying to get everything in because really, how often does anyone actually listen? For a while, we sit, Todd joins us, Cece talks, we listen, little dude plays in the grass, and for a moment, we're just people hanging out. 
Abadi. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, you get that microphone. <laughs> you get it. But the moment is fleeting, of course. The uplift vehicle is packing up and getting ready for the next stop. After all, we've been here for about an hour and there are still four more stops to go. A woman living out of her truck with her two dogs makes her way over to us from the gas station across the street and tells us she needs vaccinations. So everybody gets back to work. Well, except Dennis, because he never stopped. The uplift folks are heading out, so they check in with us and make sure we're comfortable with them separating from us until we can catch up. The safety of the volunteers being a sort of prime directive on these excursions. Eventually, Cece rides off on her scooter with little dude strapped to her chest. Doc wrestles with a pit bull named Daisy May, who steadfastly refuses to be still for her shots. She scrapes his arm with one of her nails, and Doc starts bleeding. I watch the blood roll slowly down his arm as he refuses to give up in doing what he knows he must do. This is a thing with him. His dedication, as well as that of the rest of the team, is making a real impact on the parts of the community that need it most. You know, I one one lady particularly came up to me and just almost in tears said, you know, I would have committed suicide a long time ago if I didn't have this pet. And so I so appreciate. And so so working, one of the great experiences I've found here with uh, pet resources, just the dedication of uh, uh, some volunteers who are working regularly and, and we've got a team and, and, uh, and everybody's uh, approaching it with, let's get the best outcome for po- possible out of, out of this for the people. Um, but uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's great. And, and back to the, a 78 year old, old man uh, really enjoys just the idea of meeting different people and just getting more opportunities to come up. And not only the people I work with, but, you know, going beyond that, the people that we serve. It is truly a, a unique experience. It uh, is, uh, you know, it's it, it's been a great thing for me. I mean, I, my weeks really evolve around it a lot. Uh, I just I, I missed it when I was out for a month for, for surgery here recently. Just it uh, has then uh, evolved to where you know I feel like it's my calling to do. I mean, I and I truly enjoy it. It's been a great experience. We have a companion blog for this story with photographs and more. Just head to prckc.org/blog or click in the show notes. National Pet Week starts this Monday, May 6th, so we thought we'd preach to the converted, so to speak, and talk about all the good that pets do for us. How soon in a person's life do they benefit from having a pet? Pretty much immediately. Kids exposed to indoor pets within the first year of life are much less likely to be allergic to that animal as they get older. Dogs in the home make it less likely for kids to get eczema, and kids who live with dogs tend to have a slightly more activated immune system as they get more exposure to dirt and allergens that dogs bring in from being outside. We were talking about that earlier. Now, for dog owners, there tend to be a lot of social benefits. Dog parks, training classes, pet-friendly businesses. These are all places dog owners congregate and meet each other. For elderly dog owners who may be mostly homebound, this isn't just an opportunity for their pet to socialize, but for them as well. Social connections are what keep us going, except for me, that is. I subsist solely on frustration and triscuits. Pet ownership provides a lot of health benefits for people as well. Studies show that pet owners have lower blood pressure and cholesterol than those who don't, and dogs in particular reduce their risk of heart attack. Why is that? 
Well, one theory making the rounds is that the idea of owning a dog makes you go outside, makes you go for walks, it makes you play with your dog. But beyond the physical, pets tend to live in the moment. So for those of us who get caught up in everything that's on the horizon, spending time with their pet allows them to be right there in that singular moment. That kind of mindfulness has very positive effects on people, which is why it's not uncommon for everything from elder care centers to universities to have therapy animals. It's certainly one of the few things that at my worst moments stops my mind from spinning and whirring and makes me just hang out for a second. And that's powerful stuff. But not only that, but for many people, pets provide a sense of stability. People will often neglect their own best interests if they're depressed or anxious, but when your pet's there, you have to rally. You have to feed them or else. You have to take the dog for a walk. You have to change out the cat's water bowl. Having someone that depends on you can be very grounding, especially for folks who live alone. The animal-human bond is a fantastic thing. That's why we focus on it here at PRC. We've seen lives changed and turned around, people literally overcoming physical difficulties because they know their pet is depending on them. Our friend Robin was having difficulty recovering from a stroke, discovered a big energetic dog digging in his trash, it took him in, and his recovery speed increased exponentially because instead of just sitting around all day until physical therapy, he had someone depending on him, someone who cared for him, waiting. And that's the power of pets. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. If you want to learn more about the work that Uplift does in the community, just head to uplift.org. As for us, we're a nonprofit dedicated to keeping pets and people together, and you can help. Just go to prckc.org and you can donate, volunteer, make appointments for your pets, and more. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, please rate us and leave us a review. That always helps people find us. For all the latest info, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at PRR Podcast on both platforms. So, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as Kurt Vonnegut said, I cannot distinguish between the love I have for people and the love I have for dogs. When a child and not watching comedians on film or listening to comedians on the radio, I used to spend a lot of time rolling around on rugs with uncritically affectionate dogs we had. And I still do that a lot. The dogs become tired and confused and embarrassed long before I do. I could go on forever. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted by Madison Brown and Dave Shapiro. Produced, written, recorded, mixed, and mastered by Dave Shapiro. Music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Hazel Raw Musical Industries. Music.